Luke chapter 24 and verse 50. We've been talking about the resurrection for about, this will be the third week, part three. Today we're going to talk about the ascension. And silly as it may sound, sometimes we gloss over that, but uh, it's vitally important. Verse 50, Luke chapter 24, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Father, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we bless you. We thank you, as always, for your blessed, holy word. We thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it, and our minds to be open to the glorious light of your word. We believe you today as a group for utterance in the Holy Spirit, to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. Thank you, Father. We're set apart by that truth, for your word is truth. Thank you, Father. We need no man to teach us. We're taught by the Holy Spirit who lives within us as believers. We thank you, Father, that uh, our preaching, teaching, witnessing, ministering isn't with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and power. So our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. So we honor you today. We believe we receive, according to Mark eleven twenty four, revelation heart knowledge of your word. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We speak it, we apply it, we sprinkle it, we plead it. We honor the blood. We highly esteem the blood of Jesus that still flows from Calvary. So Father, we thank you as we receive from your word today. Revelation, heart knowledge, and truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, just briefly, I want to, to review, very briefly, part two. We talked last week about the power of the resurrection. We need to know and realize the power of the resurrection. And we understand what the, the uh, word re resurrection means. When we think about it, it's the word anastasis in the Greek. A standing up again, restoration to life, rising from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the first fruits or prototype of the future resurrection of all that are in the grave. Uh, anastasis is the coming resurrection that occurs at the judgment day. Another usage of anastasis is a moral recovery of spiritual truth. A moral recovery of spiritual truth. So we have to uh, count all other things as garbage, like Paul said, uh, for the excellency of the knowledge of him. We saw, too, in Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Classic translation. Philippians chapter 3, and uh, 
We'll just read verses 10 and 11. Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he says, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in that same way come to know the power, the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. Boy, that's important that we see that. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Praise God. And we'll see what he means by that here as we study today in the book of <coughs> Ephesians. The power of his resurrection. The same spirit, don't forget, the same spirit that resurrected Jesus, raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in us if we're born again. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. If the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, he'll also quicken, make alive our mortal bodies. That, that power, that resurrection, is certainly enough to heal our bodies, to make them alive, to make us, you know, or make our youth uh, be renewed like the eagles, the book of Isaiah says. So we have to know him intimately and the power of his resurrection. And remember, we remember that, of course, through communion and daily study. And we love him as he first loved us, First John 4.19 says. So praise God. That's all the review for today. I want us to see some important things about the ascension. It's so important, so vitally important to our future in the kingdom. And of course, if you read uh, the four Gospels, uh, John doesn't mention the ascension, but uh, the other three do. And in, in Luke's, he says they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Well, that's not all they did, right? You know, it, it, if you just read Luke, you might, you might think, well, all they did after he ascended was, you know, worship and praise. Well, that's part of it, but that's not all they did. Uh, it, it's so important that we understand the ascension. It's not just another, you know, thing that's at the end of the movie. You know, you see Jesus up in the clouds and then he's gone. Well, it's much more than that. He said it was vital, didn't he? Look at John 14, 26. We know what this says. All of you know it probably backwards and forwards, but uh, it, it John 14, 26. It says the helper, he's going to give us a helper, right? Or he gave us, uh, um, he, but he was talking there in the future. He says, I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And, of course, we know that that word helper means helper, counselor, comforter, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby. And you can add teacher and guide to it, too, because, you know, he calls the Holy Spirit a teacher, and, and he guides us, leads us, and guides us to all truth. He said he left us 
he will leave us another comforter. So it's vital that he goes. It's vital that he ascended. You know, he walked the earth for 40 days. The first chapter of Acts says, you know, why didn't he just stick around? Well, because it, it's vital for us that we all have the comforter. You know, he, he's appeared to a lot of people since then here on the earth, but, uh, you know, he, he's not, he, he's omniscient, omnipresent, but through the Holy Spirit. He left us a comforter. It's, it's to our benefit. He told them it was to their benefit, it's to our benefit. Why? Because he's seated right now at the right hand of the Father. Psalm 110 and verse 1, of course, prophesies that in a way. Uh, if you look at Mark 16 and verse 19, see something important. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Of course, we know that he's there where he ever lives to make intercession. Sat down at the right hand of God and they went out and preached everywhere so they weren't always, you know, in, in the uh, sanctuary praising and blessing God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. That's the end of, uh, of course, the teaching of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. But I want us to see something about the signs following. The signs accredit the Gospel message and cannot be limited to the apostolic age. Praise God. Any more than the Lord's commission to carry the Gospel through the world. The signs, therefore, Confirm the ministries of Christ's ambassadors in every generation. Casting out devils. Speaking in tongues. Healing all. Uh, that, that, that appears in other passages in the New Testament. And there's no scriptural warrant for their cessation before the Lord returns. So praise God. And where it says here, and we'll look at this in a minute, taking up serpents, that's not snake handling. That refers to... Uh, Casting them away without being harmed, like in Acts 28. You know, it's, it's not part of a, a, some stupid ritual ceremony. So, you know, we, people have made it into that. We know that. But that's not what it is. Praise God. He's seated right now at the right hand of the Father. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And this is important to us. And we know this. Verse 1, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, once walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Among them also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's, that's now. We're right there with him now. No, I know we're here in this building physically. Flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God, but we're positionally right there with him. It's so important that we understand that and know it. Uh, sit together in Christ. Uh, three togethers in verses 5 and 6. Note our union with Christ. His, in his resurrection, his ascension, and his present rule at God's right hand. From this place of partnership, he grants that we share in the present works of his kingdom's power. Share in that power. Praise God forevermore. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Like Brother Hagin used to say, he's going to put on a show. He's going to show. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, poemia in the Greek, poem, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, not by, but for, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Praise God. And he's commissioned us to do that. He's commissioned us to walk in those good works. Two of the Gospels give us a, a great commission. Matthew chapter 28. Any commission from Jesus would be great, wouldn't it? But here, I'm going to start at verse 16. I should have started there uh, instead of verse 18, but we'll, we'll pick up. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And we know we can read about that in, in John chapter uh, 20 and 21. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority, all power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. In other words, you go. The implied subject is you. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. And then off he went, of course. Matthew doesn't say that, but, uh, you know, he gives us a commission what to do. He said, I'm with you always. In other words, he's going to stay here. No, he's gone. Look at Mark chapter 16 again. We'll start this time in verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because he didn't believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. 
In my name they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, accidentally, of course, we don't do that as part of some ritual service either. If they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Praise God. That's Matt Mark's uh, rendering of the Great Commission. And, and then he said, of course, that he was received into heaven. Went up. But the good thing about it, you know, and, and without the ascension, we don't have this. But the good thing about it is he's coming back, right? It kind of hints at this, or Jesus hints at it a little bit. In John 21, don't, don't turn there, but he's talking, of course, he's talking to uh, Peter at the end. He asks him if he loves him. And, and, and Peter asks about John, you know, what about this guy? And Jesus said, uh, in verse 22, he says, if I will that he remain till I come, what's that to you? You follow me. And he says it twice. In other words, he's coming back. You know, he, he's not going to be around there forever. John doesn't mention the ascension, but, you know, he's coming back. But it even, it flows over into the book of Acts. Don't turn there either. I don't have this on the slide, but in Acts chapter 1, verse 19, or verse 9, I'm sorry, he says, now when he had spoken these things, spoken what? Well, in verse 8, we, know, we all know verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. and You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the earth, all the, to the end of the earth. So everywhere you're going to be witnesses. And in verse 9 he says, now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And he was never coming. No, it says, verse 10, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Praise God. Thank God. He is coming back. He is coming back. And that's the beauty of the ascension. You know, it's not just him going. It's not him. It is him at the right end of the Father because we're positionally with him. But the fact that he's coming back. And I know there's uh, people who doubt, even still, unbelievers especially, but even some believers don't believe in the quote-unquote rapture. Look at 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. First Thessalonians, chapter 4, and verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or died lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And remember that when you lose a loved one or a friend or, or family member or someone 
very close to you. Don't, don't sorrow as somebody who has no hope. Yes, you're sorry because you're not going to be able to talk to them anymore till you get to heaven. Now, if they weren't believers, uh, you might be even more sorrowful, but, you know, that's, that is beyond your control at this point. But don't sorrow as others who have no hope, he says. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Thank God. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. In other words, we're not going to go first if we're alive here. If the rapture hits, you know, what happens? They come out first. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if somebody was cremated, if, if sharks tore them to pieces in the ocean, if they died in a desert and their bones blew all over, or if they're buried in a grave, it doesn't matter. They're coming out. God put us together from the dust of the earth. He can do it any way he pleases. So don't worry about someone, who, you know, about cremation. If you don't believe in it, don't do it. But we all know people who were, and don't worry about it. They're coming out. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. These words are supposed to be words of comfort. Words of comfort. You know, not we, we look at movies sometimes. There's been movies made about the rapture, you know, and all the kids went. Some of their parents didn't go. And, <clears throat> wives went and husbands didn't and vice versa. You know, that's rough. That's not comfort. That's movie ticket selling or whatever. Comfort one another with these words. They should be words of comfort. Always words of comfort. Caught up together with them. The chief biblical source of the doctrine of the rapture. The catching away to heaven of those dead or living who have, been trusting, who have trusted in Christ and await his return. The exact word rapture does not occur in scripture. It was formed from a word in the Latin translation of the Bible, which for this phrase reads, Simul repimur cum illis. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 12 gives the additional information that a great rebellion by humankind against God's authority and the emergence of the man of sin will proceed in the return of the Lord. And every generation has felt like that was their generation that was happening. And, you know, of course we do too, but, you know, don't worry about that. You know, it, it'll happen. Don't get into fear over it. So what, what do skeptics say about this? A lot. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3. 
This is such an important chapter because it really lays some things out. Verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Thank God for Peter, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Thank God he listened to the leading of the Holy Spirit and put this in here, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in these last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. It's been 2,000 years, I can hear it, people whining around. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that existed, or then existed, perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition or destruction of ungodly men. Verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So the Lord could, two days ago, you know, God time, Brother Keith Moore calls it, God time, not central time or eastern time, God time. Verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All. And he's, when he says us, and he, and he started this out, beloved, this chapter, you know, it includes believers too. If you need to repent for something, some people think you don't have to repent. If you think you need to repent, repent. You know, you, you ask uh, human beings, uh, you apologize to them when you wrong them. Why not to God? Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons are you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we are, or nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And that word promise is the same word for promise. Pro the promise and the thing promised. Promise and the answer. So praise God. We've got promises. Then what? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll close with this. There's a lot of people questioning all the time, questioning. None of you, but I mean, people question, 
Are we going to know each other in heaven? Are we this? Are we that? None of us know exactly what heaven is like. Even if you've been there and come back, you know, you've only seen a part of it. But, you know, there's, we're, we're going to recognize each other. And when you look for me, look for somebody with some dark brown hair or some hair. Because I, I, everybody that's been there said they see people, but they see them in a younger state. That's all right with me. Praise God. You know, I, I'm not that, you know, I think I looked any better or worse with hair, but it's just uh, I'd rather look a little younger. Why not? Uh, verse 35, someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Well, it's not going to be, you know, we're not reincarnated as elephants or anything like that. Don't worry about that. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow uh, that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. God gives it a body as he pleases. And to each seed its own body. And doesn't matter if your ashes are scattered in Spain or New York or, you know, some other wonderful place. You know, he's going to do it. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another fish, another birds. There's also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. Thank God. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. So it's written, the first man Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. First man was of the earth, made of dust. Second man is the Lord from heaven. Excuse me, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Praise God forevermore. Verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery, or a hidden truth. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Praise God. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible is put on incorruption, mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. The ascension is so important to our future in the kingdom. Jesus said it was vital. He left us a comforter. He's seated there at the right hand of the Father. We're there with him now. We're going to spend eternity with him. Not because of anything we've done other than getting born again and accepting his grace through faith. Thank God he's coming back. He's coming back for all of us. Praise God. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. And we bless you. We thank you for your word on this subject. It's so vitally important. Thank you. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're out there and you say, well, I, you know, I'm in a position to be left behind if, if the rapture hits because I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. Don't wait another second. Don't wait another minute. Pray with us. The Bible tells us Romans 10, 9, and 10. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead. We will be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, we speak confession unto salvation. It says in verse 13, all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Jesus told us in John 6, 37, if they come, I won't turn them away. I won't cast them out. So come to him today, repentant ready to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Pray this prayer with us. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, just as I am. Your word says that if I come, you won't cast me out. You won't turn me away. Jesus, come into my heart as my Savior, and I make you the Lord of my life. I repent of all my past sins. And ask your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child. I'm born again. Born from above. Thank you in Jesus' name. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. And I'll speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me utterance. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you for filling me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, get to a good church. A word-believing, word-teaching, word-living, word-doing church. Sit under teaching. People that are teaching the unadulterated word of truth. And if you turn on the TV or the uh, internet or get online or whatever to listen to ministers, listen to ones who are teaching the full gospel, the, the word of truth, and get into a good daily devotional where you keep the word before your eyes and don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. It's life to those who find it in health or medicine to all their flesh. Thanks for joining us today. Have a blessed rest of the weekend and a wonderful week.